When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Welcome to another episode of the Just Blog Baby podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Park, and joining me as always is the editor-in-chief of Just Blog Baby, Nick Jeltness, and our resident Twitter guru, Ryan Lopes. How you fellas doing this week? I already know the answer. Doing, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know how I'm doing. I mean, I'm sad that the season's over for sure, first and foremost. I am especially upset that, you know, the way the season ended, of course, like I think everybody. Um you know, excited to to dive into the off season, and and actually excited. You know, can't wait for September to come back around to to get Derek back out there. So you know, we got a lot to lot to talk about here in the coming months. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sad, man. No more Raiders football on you know for was it eight months? The countdown begins. Man, I'm uh I'm sad, but I guess I'm I'm less sad. I'm I'm, I'm glad that we took a week off in between this because I feel like I had a chance to kind of you know, sit in a dark room by myself and kind of, and kind of really, you know, think about things. So happy to be back though, boys. Definitely. Definitely. We took that, took that week off to mourn, uh, feeling rejuvenated now, but let's, let's start the podcast off on a high note. Uh, there were a lot of great moments this season. Um, I was planning on asking you guys what your favorite moment of the season was, but I think that maybe I might have to take two from each of you. Um, so each of you, what were your two favorite moments of the 2016-2017 Oakland Raiders season? Ryan, you go first. Now, disclaimer, Nick and I had didn't, none of us discussed this beforehand. So I'm, I'm curious if I'm going to take one or maybe both of, of, uh, of, of Nick and, uh, and, and D's here. But for me, the two that stand out for me, um, one, uh, Crabtree's game winner, uh, week one versus Saints. Um, that that play again get could get real cliche and that one really kind of set the tone for you know weeks ahead um and and kind of uh you know foreshadowed a lot of crabtree's greatness i mean towards the end of the season the drops got, kind of came a little annoying but for the most part crabtree was super super clutch um the second one for me uh khalil max uh interception uh you know or pick pick six versus uh versus the panthers running it back jumping in the jumping in the black hole that that shit is always you know dopest for me so those are, those, are, those are my two. Yeah, definitely, definitely good ones. I'm going to go a little bit more like a moment as opposed to individual plays. For me, uh, win number nine stands out as my favorite like moment of the year, the the pinky game, better known as. Pinky game. Yeah, so, I mean, DC, our boy, dislocated his finger. We later found out that he actually fractured his finger as well. He only missed one series. He emerged from the tunnels with rays of light shining behind him, returning to the field. And uh, what he did after that was incredible. He not only led the Raiders on a game-tying drive late in the fourth quarter that also needed a two-point conversion to tie the game up. After the defense got a stop, he came out once again. 12 plays, 82 yards, set up a game-winning field goal by Seabass. And uh, 
just like that, win number nine on the board, and the drought was over. First winning season in 14 years. So as far as like a moment goes, that stands out, I think, as my favorite. And then probably number two runner-up for me was um, the dominating win over Denver. Just really everything about that game, just to beat that team down as, as badly as the Raiders did, was, I think, quite satisfying to watch. Um, and it, I think it really put a stamp on the season that, yeah, the Raiders have arrived, and, and they are absolutely for real. So those two moments stand out for me. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to hop on uh, what Ryan said. It wasn't necessarily the Crabtree catch, but I think that that was the game where uh, Del Rio wanted to go for two, right, for the win? Yeah, same game. It. Yeah, you know, that moment, it, it definitely set the tone for the entire season. I mean, I, I think the first, like, nine weeks of the season, I was completely sick to my stomach every single game <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Um, so, yeah, but going for two was just, uh, you know, that was uh, that was some ballsy stuff. And then I would say number two is the the Khalil Matrick game, um, where what was it the uh, the force fumble, the sack, the touchdown, the interception, or just, first player ever right to do that or something dumb, like that? Yeah, just some insane stat line. The God, yeah, man, that was just incredible. So, um, you know, but the, there were a ton of great moments throughout the season, and uh, again, like I can't I can't wait until next season already. So. But there were a ton of highlight reel plays. Uh, Nick, I know you just put out a top 10 list on the site. Uh, what were your two favorite plays from the year? All right, so my two favorite plays from the year were Slice of Blue, uh, Crabtree's catch. That was number one play. I mean, that was just insane. I still have no idea how he came down with that ball. Um, so that that's number one for me. And then number two, I, I didn't put it number two on the list, but personal favorite number two was when Amari Cooper um, broke 55's ankles on Houston, whatever that dude's name again. 55, he, man. Yeah, who cares, right? Yeah, he, he lost his name. Yeah, 55. That dude got his ankles broke, looking silly. <laughs> so those two are my favorite plays of the year. Um, so, Ryan, you already said, uh, I mean, on the moment question, you kind of specified two plays, the crab tree, two-point conversion, the Mac pick six. Do you have uh, do you have any other ones that stand out? Uh, I'll definitely piggyback uh, along alongside you with the uh, with the with the Mari Cooper love. I mean, um, I'm sure we'll talk about it this off season. Um, we kind of closed out the season kind of on a on a sour note, you know, uh, as far as Cooper's involvement. So I'm I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say any play that that featured Amari Cooper man has a special place in my heart. It seemed like there were there were really far and few between for whatever the reason. Kind of kind of frustrating. Um, I know he had a he had a nice little uh, little little catch and score, a uh, little hookup uh, with uh, with a Connor Cook against Denver. I think it was during the during, during the second outing, which was which was fun against just, just such a special player. Hopefully, uh, 2017, uh, you know, is is more uh, is more friendlier is is friendlier to to Marty Cooper. There wasn't as many for for Coop this season as there were in, in 2015. I normally put together that top 10 list each year, and and Crabtree really seemed to to kind of dominate the highlights this year. When I was kind of going back through and, and trying to pick some out, um, Coop had the the one I mentioned where he broke guys' ankles, and then he had he had one that that would have been on there if it wasn't called back. That I remember the one against Atlanta where they say he was pushed out of bounds and then he caught the mm-hmm, ball. Mm-hmm. That was a dope play. That yeah, that would have made the list had uh, had it not been called back. But yeah, Crab Crab was the highlight guy this year. He had one too. Another another one I really really liked that uh, that is an honorable mention for me was his three touchdown game against Baltimore. His third touchdown where he put uh, a double move on that dude and he just completely broke that guy. And then he had a toe drag catch in the back of the end zone. I mean that was filthy. So that that would be a runner up for me. But yeah, a lot a lot to choose from. I had to narrow down a 
top 20 basically to cut it down to 10 and it was tough so for anybody listening um go to jbb's website and look for that top 10 playlist and let me know what you think definitely so uh the raiders finished 12 and 4 on the season um it was surprising to a lot of people this year uh myself included i had the raiders at 10 and 6 9 and 7 um but which which player surprised you the most nick you go first I think it's going to be an easy answer. I think Ryan's probably going to agree with me here. The most surprising player is, is Jalen Richard, I think, and probably far and away. Um, and it's crazy, too, because the hype for him started to grow in the uh, in training camp, um, even to, to unreasonable levels. The expectations started to climb because of, of the hype that was that was kind of coming along out of camp. Um, and, and he still managed to somehow exceed those expectations with what he did in the regular season. So he's... He's a legit player. He runs hard. He averaged almost six yards per carry on the season, which is crazy. He showed off some pass-catching ability, obvious factor in, in the return game. Um, so he's a legit player, and I think he's going to be a weapon for this team for for years to come. So, yeah, definitely the biggest surprise. Definitely. I mean, Nick, Nick hit on the head for me. Uh, I mean, definitely, definitely Richard. And I think, uh, man, I'm, I feel like it must have been like three, four, five, six weeks in a row where uh, every Sunday I kind of sat back and I kept retweeting the same tweet. Uh, you know, low key, you know, Rashard might really be my favorite Raider player, man. I mean, his, this dude is just, it's just so much fun to watch. And uh, it's going to be really exciting to see kind of how things in the backfield shake out this offseason. You know, is it going to be, you know, is, is Murray's time up? Is this going to be more work for Rashard, Washington, whatever? So, so I'm definitely, definitely on board with the, uh, the Jalen hype. Yeah, you, you just always kind of like that underdog story. You like to see the guys that uh, don't get drafted and, you know, make it in camp. Uh, succeed and uh, Richard is another one of those players um, but on the opposite end of surprising players which players would you say or which player would you say is the most uh, disappointing this season Ryan you go first on this one yeah I mean I think uh, much like my my repetitive fandom for Jalen Richard uh, I think I was equally as as vocal and uh, and for all the wrong reasons uh, Sean Smith man for me um, I, there's probably been a little more banter on the timeline uh, now that, that we've hit the offseason and all that good stuff for this for this particular franchise. But uh, again, to me, not to say that Sean Smith is a quote unquote bad player. Um, I think he's more than serviceable still, um, but definitely along the lines of disappointment. Uh, certainly didn't live up to the to the you know the contract and the and the expectations set out given given the contract that 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 was handed out to him. Um, so for me, uh, toss up between definitely Sean Smith and probably and probably David David Emerson for you know for kind of the you know the the trust so to speak that McKenzie put into him. It just uh, maybe didn't quite pan out the way that some of us thought it would. Um, you know, so so definitely kind of some some holes back there that that we need to that we need to talk about. So I'm gonna have to agree with Ryan on this one for most disappointing player, um, Sean Smith definitely. And I, I'm, I was in the boat of or in the camp of that Smith was misused for a majority of the season. Um, he needs to be pretty much pressing at all times, and, and too many times Ken Orange Jr. had him playing five or more yards off of his man, and he's just going to get toasted in, in events that, like that. Uh, but even even with that being said, I mean, you can only put so much blame on, on, on the scheme. Um, I saw that Sean Smith gave up the second most receiving yards in the entire NFL. So 999, man. 
no bueno. You can only blame blame the scheme so much. Um, so he he had a rough, definitely rough start to his Raiders career. And then just throw another name out there, uh, Seth Roberts. Um, you know, even though he had plenty of touchdowns and, and a couple of big plays along the way, his his production as a whole outside of that, just you know, it's hard to to cut him much slack with all of the drops that he had. It was just so rough. And I know Crabtree struggled with a lot of drops too, but. You know, when you're catching over 80 passes and over a thousand yards, uh, you know, you, you just get a little bit more leeway with that kind of thing with the targets that Crabtree had compared to Seth. Um, so, yeah, one of those two guys, definitely the most disappointing. And um, and, and back to Sean real quick. I think didn't PFF, did any of you guys see Pro Football Focus? I think they had him in like the top 20 for the season for cornerbacks. Did anybody see that? What? Yikes. Oh. No, I didn't, but that's that's pretty asinine, huh? Yeah, I had him 18th, I think is what it was amongst all cornerbacks for the season. So ahead of uh, ahead of Jalen Ramsey, who who balled out all year. So weird, so man. I don't know. I don't know what PFF's doing over there. Must be to Sean Smith. Yeah, PFF's kind of weird sometimes. Yeah, they must. Well, they must think he's uh, in Kansas City still. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're looking at 2015 <laughs> film. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the uh, the revolving door of of coaches in Oakland. That's kind of a it's kind of a a yearly thing. Um, coaches are in and out. Um, Musgraves out this season, Downing's in, Robertson's out, and Ken Norton Jr. staying, which is kind of curious. But what changes did you agree or disagree with? I didn't agree with Musgrave being let go. Um, I mean, I just thought that the notion that the offense was underperforming was pretty ridiculous. I mean, they they finished sixth overall in offense. The run game was was dominant. The pass game was was very effective. Um, the offense as a whole was efficient. Uh, was a second least takeaways in the NFL. Contrary to what a lot of people say, the the Raiders were middle of the pack in terms of three and out and, and screen plays. So I think people just really harp on, on the negative with Musgrave and, and really blow it up to to be more than it was. So I didn't I didn't disagree with him, you know, being let go for performance based reasons. If it was a matter of either him or Downing, then uh, then I do get going with the younger guy that's close to the franchise quarterback I mean so I definitely can understand that aspect of it and yeah in in no way shape or form can I think Ken Norton Jr. be justified as as staying on board Um, I was completely shocked by that 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 he's going to be coming back Um, and I know I just to me it just feels like Del Rio is like keeping a scapegoat around for next season if the defense is going to be bad through eight weeks it's just someone else that he can place the blame on i don't know like it just i have no idea why he would keep Kenton norm jr it's 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 beyond me yeah it's uh i think the musgrave thing is weird i think it was jerry mcdonald it was it was some it was some raiders beat writer i believe that came out and said that the shelf life for the musgrave del rio relationship seems to be two years uh you look at the way he kind of he kind of departed in jacksonville it was it was it was much of the same story i think I think Del Rio just kind of has. I think there's some weird. There's there's always a weird relationship there to begin with. I think Del Rio. I think Musgrave was kind of fed up with the little bit of shade that was kind of thrown his way. Um, when in reality, Del Rio probably should have taken a step back and looked at the the defense and the way the defense was 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 kind of performing or or not performing for the most part. Uh, which kind of jumps to Norton Jr. Uh, so I, I again. As, as strained as the relationship was with Bill and Jack, I think uh, it kind of says a lot about the Ken and Jack relationship. Um, I think Jack likes to keep him around just because he, he's able to kind of maybe meddle more 
um, which he, he probably should, again, defensive-minded coach, probably should be getting his 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 input in there. Um, and maybe they're kind of, uh, you know, uh, reshuffling the deck a little bit, maybe admitting to the fact that there just simply wasn't enough dogs out there. They want to kind of take one more swing at this thing with a hopefully fully healthy Mario Edwards and another few draft picks under their belt and uh, see what happens. But um, I think after this season, man, it's going to be kind of, uh, you know, if, if, if the numbers and the wins and all that stuff aren't, isn't piling up again, there's really going to be no excuses for, for, uh, for, for Ken Norton this, this time around. Absolutely. And I, I think that part of uh, Musgrave leaving town is, is less to do with Musgrave and, and more to do with Downing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I read some reports that, uh, they didn't want to lose him. You know, he's a he's a talented uh, up and coming offensive coordinator, and uh, it would have been a disaster to see him go somewhere else. So yeah, I get that. Yeah, it makes sense. But speaking of coaching, uh, it sounds like Jack Del Rio is in talks to uh, to is about to begin talks for a contract extension pretty soon. Here, he's only two years into his four year deal. Is it smart to lock him up now, or should they wait until next season? I think I think they're kind of getting a little a little far ahead of themselves uh you know davis and and whoever else is the is is, is kind of is kind of weighing in on this um again it's it it's really hard to uh you know kind of be so critical i i guess after after a 12 win season but i guess i guess the way that I'm, I'm looking at it is is more or less the same way that i'm looking at it when when jack came in um and I know there was, I think Nick and a handful of others kind of made, you know, the Golden State Warrior kind of analogy um, is is Del Rio, you know, the the Mark Jackson, right? You know, to me coming in, Del Rio was kind of just a middle of the road hire. Uh, I think he, I think he overachieved this year, um, and a lot, a lot to do with just Derek Carr's level of play. Of course, I'm sure we'll talk all about that. So to kind of, uh, so I, I think you know the Raiders might be backing themselves potentially into a pretty funny spot because maybe after this season, you know, um, and then things continue along the same kind of path in 2017, double digit wins again, another another you know core player added through the draft or free agency or something like that. There's going to be a handful of coaches I would imagine that would all of a sudden find this job attractive, and you could probably start lining up some legitimate you know uh, Super Bowl chasing type type coaches not to say that jack can't do that uh i'm just still a bit skeptical I'm, I'm not quite sure he's the coach that's gonna that's gonna get this team over the hump um and if he does uh i wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Derek carr string it together another mvp type another mvp type type season so yeah i'm with ryan on, on pretty much most of that i i feel like i i would wait on the extension i mean so much can change in the nfl so quickly i mean look at the raiders as a prime example of that from a seven and nine team to a 12 and four team that before Derek carr's injury you know looked like a threat for the afc and, and, and maybe even beyond that and that's just over the course of one year so jack definitely deserves quite a bit of credit for for that success but at the same time uh, the raiders also needed seven comeback wins to to get to that point um, um, and a lot of that is credit to Derek Carr directly, um, and and that isn't something that's that's really necessarily sustainable. I mean, I feel like if you are going to sit here and say the Raiders can get seven comeback wins each season, you know, I think you're you're just really talking yourself into something there. So, I think only halfway through his deal, you know, let's see what what he does with the team next season. You know, if they can put together another 11, 12 win, twelve win year, or maybe even ten, and, and just a deeper playoff run, then yeah, definitely, you know. We, put pen to paper on that extension um but if if the team regresses or regresses substantially then you know you definitely have to reconsider what what ryan said and then something i had pointed out on an early episode is if if he's the, the mark jackson um you know where he's he, he gets the team to this point 
And then are we going to need like a Steve Kerr to take the team over the top? But as of right now, you know, Jack has has earned, you know, for sure to, to play up the full contract. Obviously, I just would wait until uh, until next offseason on the extension if he if he can have a, a repeat of this year. Now, the architect of all our jubilation and woes, Reggie McKenzie, uh, he's been given consideration uh, for the executive of the year. Ryan, state your case to win for him to win the award. And it's, I mean, you, you just look back at, um, you know, this guy's track record, of course, started off a little bit rocky. Um, and I was, I was, I was one of the, one of the, the, pe- the knowing people on Twitter, right? That was, uh, you know, probably irrationally high on him to start. And then I was one of the people that kind of tailed off when, uh, when, you know, things, things weren't looking too hot, but, uh, you know, Reggie proved me, proved everyone else that was, you know, thinking the same way I was thinking, uh, proved proved us wrong you know i mean th- this guy just has a knack for 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 finding talent there was just a tweet um you know with the uh w- with with the the uh the college all-star all-star games going on now the the, the senior bowl and uh and and the east west shrine game that i f- forgot what what reporter uh media member said it but but they said that every game that every all-star event they go to reggie mckenzie's there so um it's just kind of this guy is is so involved in football um and and it shows, you know, the, all all the undrafted free agents, you know, that that he was able to bring in here. Obviously, complete franchise changers and Khalil Mack, Derek Carr, Mari Cooper, heck, probably even Lump Gabe, Gabe Gabe Jackson in there as well. I mean, this guy just has a knack for for uh, you know hitting on hitting on draft picks, and then obviously the way he was able to work the free agent market, uh, you know, structure contracts in in, in a way that uh, you know allows him to pay these cornerstone pieces that he's acquired, as well as bringing in other other talent. He's completely turned this franchise around and and made it attractive again. Now, Nick, play devil's advocate for me. What would be the case against Reggie McKenzie winning this award? Uh, all right. If I were to play devil's advocate, I guess I would say, or I would ask if the award is based off of 2016 alone. So I guess if we're basing it off of the last calendar year of work, you know, maybe McKenzie's case isn't that strong. Um, I mean, his top three draft picks were Carl Joseph, Jihad Ward, and Angelique Calhoun. Um, he did get quality contributions out of some of the later draft picks like uh, Corey James, DeAndre Washington, Brian Jalen Richard. Uh, Vidal Alexander's so late picks seem to be hitting for the most part better than the early picks, but you know, kind of half and half split there. Same with his free agent additions. I mean, Assembly and, and Irvin were, were definitely quality additions, especially Kalechi, uh, but Sean Smith and Reggie Nelson, not so much. So I would say that probably most of the success this team had came from decisions made prior to 2016, like the Donald Penn sound, like the, uh, the Donald Penn sound, like the Donald Penn signing. Gabe Jackson, um, Khalil Mack, Derek Carr, a lot of those guys came before 2016. So, you know, if it's based off of, you know, this this most recent year of work, then then maybe that, that award is going to go elsewhere. Jack Del Rio uh, is probably being considered for Coach of the Year. Um, Nick, this time you play good cop. Why do you think Jack wins this award? Well, I think in terms of exceeding expectations, I think Jack probably uh, takes the cake here. Um, I was actually just the other day going through some over-unders, um, getting ready for a, a Why Jack Del Rio Should Win Coach of the Year article. 
Um, so I was looking at over and unders for all the teams before the year. And the Raiders exceeded expectations, depending on the sports book, by four and a half to five wins. I mean, most of the sports books had the over under at either seven and a half or, um, or eight and a half, but, but most of them had them even at seven and a half. And the Raiders ended up winning 12 games. And in comparison, I would say the Cowboys and the Falcons look like the next closest. Um, they had similar win totals. Uh, I think the Falcons had seven or seven and a half by most sports books, and they ended up 11 and five. And the Cowboys, a lot of places were nine or nine and a half, and they ended up with 13 wins. So just in terms of, I think, what the Raiders were expected to do, they, they came on sooner than everybody expected as a, a legit threat to win the AFC. Um, I think it's going to be the, the best reason why Del Rio will be looked at as, as someone who could uh, could potentially win the award here. Ryan, you're the bad cop here. Why should this award go to someone else, not Jack? I think, I think again, I've, I've, I've discussed it and pinpointed it a, a handful of times to me. Uh, Jack's not an X, X as an O kind of guy. Um, I mean, you can you can put the the Kansas City games kind of in a vacuum and look at those alone. Um, dude got dude got coaching circles ran around him by by a by a mastermind so to speak in 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 Andy Reid, um, and that and that's kind of that's kind of a big deal to me, man. I mean, Del Rio again, uh, twelve wins, more or less you know, picked up where, where McKenzie left off in a sense that he kind of helped push that change along and really kind of turned, you know, this whole franchise and, and roster around in that sense. But uh, I think there's a clear gap between, you know, just being a good head coach in the sense that you're going to, you know, motivate and kind of enforce your, you know, the, your will and trying to change the mindset. And then there's kind of the other aspect that kind of goes into that award for me where you're just, a detail, you know, you, you just live in the playbook. And I'm not sure that I'm not sure Jack's that I'm not sure that Jack's that kind of coach. So Khalil Mack defensive player of the year. Yes or no, Ryan? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, despite the, despite the slow start, you know, there's, there was some, there was some fans and, you know, maybe, maybe some media folk alike that were kind of, you know, panicking or, or, or questioning, you know, Khalil's, you know, uh, you know, shot at this kind of award, but uh, he, he definitely finished strong. And, and there were a handful of games, man, where he absolutely took over, um, it, you know, in, in a year that you, you still had Von Miller, you know, doing doing Von Miller things. Aaron Donald continues to ele- elevate his play into into straight alien territory. Um, but I mean, for me, man, you know, all, all, all Homer ism, all bias aside, I mean, Khalil Mack is, is an, is an incredible, you know, game, game, game changer, game wrecker. Um, you know, again, you throw on, you throw on that Carolina game alone, um, which, you know, probably was a little bit of, of, of an outlier in that sense. But I mean, you, 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 see what this, what this kid's capable of week in and week out. So special, special player. All right, Nick, what's the, uh, what's the case against Khalil? Well, I would probably say if if the voters were hung up on on probably the box scores uh, for their votes, um, Skula finished with 11 sacks and 54 fumbles, and I think it was five forced fumbles. So if they were to kind of look at those numbers and, and just compare them directly to like Von Miller, let's say, um, he had 13 and a half sacks, 62 tackles, and three forced fumbles. Um, so probably a little bit of an edge there overall. Um, and then just looking at some of his competition too. I mean, there's some definitely some some others that are, are deserving. Uh, Ryan mentioned Aaron Donald, phenomenal player, um, definitely a, a guy that that could win. And, and really, um, you know, people can could hardly complain if that was the case. 
Uh, Vic Beasley showed out this year, led the NFL in sacks at 15 and a half. Definitely a guy that can be given some consideration. I mean, anytime you lead the league in sacks, you're going to be, you know, looked at probably for this award. Um, so yeah, just box score stats really. Um, but if, you know, outside of that, like, like Ryan said, I mean, this guy is just completely dominant. He's a game wrecker. I don't think there's any player in the NFL that is as good against the run and as a pass rusher as, as Mack is. So hopefully he can grab it, but yeah, that, those would be the main reasons why I think he, he can't. And, and probably, too, maybe the slow start and the slow ending. I think the first three games of the year, he didn't have a sack. And the final two or three games of the year, he didn't have a sack. Um, so maybe you know maybe that hurts him a little bit, too. All right, Derek Carr for MVP. Nick, yes or no? Uh, I wish. I, I, I want to say yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen. But just to, I guess, just to state his case, um, I mean, we saw how valuable Derek Carr was for, for 15 games for, um, you know, how, how important he was to this team. I mean, seven comeback victories this year, first time in NFL history that's been done, um, you know, which, which speaks to the, I mean, the clutch factor that this dude's got. Had he not missed game number 16, he would have eclipsed the 4,000 yards mark. He probably would have had 30 or 31 touchdowns compared to just six interceptions. He completed almost 64% of his passes. And in the one game that we did not have Derek Carr, I mean, that game alone probably shows how viable Derek is more so than the previous 15 games where he was healthy. I mean, this team is just a, a complete disaster without him, especially offensively. I mean, we saw it in week 17. We saw it in the wild card game. So, yeah, I don't think there is a single player that has as much of a direct effect on the success of his team than uh, than Derek Carr. So, you know, hopefully he gets at least a few votes. Regardless of what happens, I'm on record saying Derek Carr is winning the MVP next season. All right, uh, Ryan, give me your two cents here. Should Derek Carr win MVP? State why you don't think he should. Man, it's a uh... – I mean, again, I'm not going to argue against Nick at all. I think, um, again, you, you you throw on the tape when Derek Carr wasn't, you know, under center, and you see a completely different team. I mean, this guy embodies everything that there is, you know, that that, that the MVP represents. You know, the most valuable player. This Oakland team doesn't, in my opinion, probably doesn't get a win or two without without number four. Um, that being said. Um, it, it just so happened to be a really good year for, for, you know, guys that were also in the running, you know, Derek had a, had a legitimate shot. Um, anyone that says otherwise, you know, is, is, is still going off of some, some weird narrative that they're refusing to change. Anyone that says otherwise is named Andy Benoit. <laughs> yo, <laughs> fuck Andy Benoit, bro. Um, <laughs> but yo, uh, it, it's just tough, man, because, you know, um, you know, obviously Derek didn't get a chance to finish out the season. And you watch, you watch, you watch the guy in Green Bay right now, man. Do what he's doing. Um, Aaron Rodgers is just on a different, on a different tier altogether right now. I think he's. I don't think the, I don't think the Packers have lost since I don't know Thanksgiving or something like that. Before that, after that, whatever it was. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is playing MVP level football. You can, you can make the argument for, you know, Matt, Matt Ryan as well, and obviously everyone's favorite, Tommy Brady is still, you know, in the in the in the playoffs as well and 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 playing some playing some decent football. So it just happened to be a weird year where there's, you know, some legitimate candidates and obviously Derek's injury. So uh probably probably not getting the nod this year, but man, this this dude bounces back healthy. Uh, you know, sky is the limit. All right. Heading into the offseason, what should priority number one be for the Oakland Raiders? 
Ooh, man, for me, uh, I've been, I've been, I've been banging the drum, uh, you know, since midseason, a little beforehand, man. Secondary, secondary, secondary. Um, you know, we can go free, we can go the free agent route, which is probably a little bit less likely, um, or we can just look 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 towards the draft, which I'm sure we're going to be talking plenty about, you know, as these as these next couple of months, you know, come and go. Um, you know, for me, uh, Reggie Nelson is, you know, Reggie Nelson, despite the interception numbers, you know, he's he's playing like a like an old free safety, which is, which is what he is. So for me, the free safety spot should be up for grabs. And uh, in a perfect world, we are, you know, drafting or signing a, a couple cornerbacks to, to compete with both Amerson and Sean Smith. Realistically, um, I could see maybe, maybe one of them being, being kind of forced out of the lineup, so to speak, or, you know, some, some playing time being, being reduced, but I would like to see at least a couple, a couple new, a couple new cornerbacks added to go along with, um, with, a, with a new free safety. So I'm going to take it in a, in a different direction for priority number one, because I, I do think like Ryan had said with the secondary or probably the cornerbacks more specifically, I think a lot of people are going to take that route. I'll say the pass rush, um, which finished dead last in sacks with 25, just because I think if you have a top-notch pass rush, that can mask the weaknesses of, of a secondary. I mean, if the quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball or if the receivers don't have time for their routes to develop and get open, I mean, that, that right there is how you, you know, you kind of hide a weak secondary. And I know that Alden Smith, you know, was out for the year. Mario Edwards basically was out for the year. Um, but even with those two guys back at full strength next year, the, the, the Raiders still need more help than that with the pass rush. Um, you know, with Alden specifically, I mean, he hasn't been – even when he was healthy, I mean, what did he have? Like three and a half sacks for the Raiders? I mean, not that many. So, um, you know, I, I just think that should be the first priority is, is, is getting after the quarterback. Bro, someone someone said that Alden Smith fired up uh fired up an Instagram live video when he was like drunk as shit at like ten AM. Is that is that is that true? I don't think so. I did not see that. No. Bro, the the the, the timeline was in a little bit of a tizzy a couple of days ago, man. It, it was it was mad early in the morning, and uh, but there was there was nothing substantial. Like no one, no one with a blue check mark was saying anything. But there was a lot of there was some there there was some banter deep deep in the holes of uh, Raiders Twitter about it, man. But I didn't I didn't think anything came of it. I'm gonna have to go. Uh, I'm gonna go have to investigate because I just I just pulled it up right here on my phone. I typed in Alden Smith, and I, I see some people upset. I don't see any video. Yeah. Yeah, everyone said it was IG live shit. Anytime you start up a sentence with, did Alan Smith fire up? I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> you get nervous. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't I didn't see that. I hope that's not true. I haven't seen any of the beat reporters get a hold of that. So maybe it was just uh, hopefully some some fake news, as uh, as the people like to say these days. But <laughs> yeah. we will um, yeah, we'll have to look into that. All right, so let's right talk now, about... Let's talk about allegedly free agency. Uh, I'm gonna call this segment "Should I Stay or Should I Go." Uh, I'm gonna list some unrestricted free agents, and I want you to guys to quickly tell me if the player should stay or go. Matt McGloin, gone. Pace. Latavius Murray. Pace. At the right price. Staying. <laughs> Andre Holmes. I want him to stay. Staying. Michael Riviera. Gone. Deuces. <laughs> Menelik Watson. Gone. Back to jolly old England. <laughs> Stacy <laughs> McGee. Bring Stacy back. Yeah, yeah. Stacy's back. Malcolm Smith. He's so bad, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's Ryan. I guess that's Ryan's answer. Um, yeah, he's gone. Get him out of here. Oh, Smithy's my boy. But all right, Perry Riley. Perry Riley. Let's bring Perry back. One more year. 
One more year for Perry. Darren Bates. Who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, definitely bring Darren back, man. That's a top-notch special teams player right there. Okay. Like, that was uh, okay. okay. DJ Hayden. Gone. This the it's the only player that could be worse than Malcolm Smith, man. DJ Hayden is he's gone. So I right was now. I was trying to fight for DJ kind of early in the year. I mean, he put together three or four kind of quality games. We gotta, we're we like, gotta stop, man. This, we gotta stop. It's enough coming enough. around, but then but then that that, that ended pretty quickly. So yeah, he's gone. All right, Nate Allen. Surprisingly, bring yeah, him back probably. Surprisingly, he looked healthy for a little bit. He, I think he got dinged up toward towards the end. Um, he did. Yeah, but I mean, when he, he when he was healthy, man, he looked like a he looked like a like a like a new player. So probably he was probably back for depth. Yeah, probably back for depth. He was kind of quality on special teams. He filled in nicely as a starter. Um, he he I mean he looked better in the three or four games that he started this year than he did all of last year or the season before that. So I'll, I'll bring Nate back. Mm-hmm. Dog, the the segment was should I stay or should I go? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You're supposed to say right. stay or go. You must. I got you. I got you. I got you. How many more do we have? I'm just playing. Right. Uh, uh, a couple more. A couple more. Uh, Brendan Trawick. Bring him back. Stay. Not bring it back, fool. It's stay or go, dog. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll get the next one right. <laughs> well, there's only one left, so John Condo. Stay. Stay. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about the restricted free agents. Uh, right. Nico Autry. Stay. Yeah, he's back. Stay. <laughs> Gabe Holmes. Stay. Uh, damn. Gone. Go. Go. Seth Roberts. Gone. Easy. I'm gonna say stay. I I hate it, but I know Reggie's gonna bring oh, it back, bro. It's gonna it's it's gonna it's gonna drive me bananas, bro. <sighs> All right. Uh, cap casualties. Players under contract that could be cut. Who do you think goes, or who do you want to see let go? Uh, I think a few jump out. I was I was looking at this the other day. Got some clarification on Sean Smith. Um, if he's cut before the third league day of the new year, which I think is going to be in early March, um, there actually is going to be no dead money hit on him. So I think it's going to be around nine point five million um, uh, as a uh, cap relief. Uh, so definitely him. Uh, Dan Williams, I think, is maybe on the bubble there. He's going to be uh, $4.5 million. Yeah, no no dead money. We'll see. I know Dan kind of started to play a little bit better finally towards the end of the year, and, and I'm sure Reggie likes him, but we'll see with him. Uh, Reggie Nelson, I think he's a guy that will be on the bubble. Um, you know, his turnovers helped, but he's around $4.25 million with no dead money hit. Uh, Taiwan Jones is around $1.5 million, no dead money hit. You know, kind of per usual, that, that's kind of Reggie's M.O. with these contracts. You can get out a lot of them pretty easily. So maybe a couple other lesser-known guys that can be cut after that. Um, the the mo- one I'm most interested in, and I don't think it'll happen, but Alden Smith, um, I think he's around like just under $6 million with no dead money hit. So, you know, the team's held on to him this long, and they're probably going to continue to hold him. But we saw with Marcel Reese, I mean, they held on to him through his suspension, through the offseason and the preseason, and then they cut him. So, you I mean, you never know. I think that's kind of one to keep an eye on as well. What about uh, what about uh, Austin uh, Austin Howard? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Austin Howard. See, with Austin, I've, I think everyone will say he should be cut in terms of quality of play, but he's still got like $4 million worth of dead money or yeah, something yeah, that like that sense. if they cut him. And, you know, Reggie loves his mm-hmm. cap space. So, I think between – 
uh, Austin Howard and Manilik Watson, I think one of them comes back, and it's not going to be Manilik because the cheaper one to bring back is Austin Howard because you don't have the dead money hit. So, unfortunately, I think we might be stuck with 77 for another year. And another thing we get to rant about on the podcast next year. All right, now, I haven't really looked into it, but Nick, what is Oakland's salary cap going to be looking like when free agency starts? Yeah, so I had a question like this on uh, on our mailbag that we do each week. Um, so I, I was able to, to get a, a little bit of a breakdown going. So I think it's going to be probably right around 15 to $18 million after they re-sign Derek Carr, which is definitely going to happen. Tattoo's probably going to get roughly $23 million per season. Um, that little stay-or-go game that we played for the unrestricted and restricted free agents that we didn't do too well at. Um, <laughs> probably a dozen or so of those guys if they bring back. And then, you know, it depends on what happens with Latavius. But, yeah, somewhere in the 15 to $18 million range. Maybe if they do a couple extra cuts, like if they do cut Sean Smith, they do cut Dan Williams, um, you know, if they do cut Reggie Nelson, maybe some combination of, of those guys that could probably get above $30 million. Um, so it, it depends on, on a couple things, but yeah, uh, anywhere between as probably as little as 15 and as much as maybe 32, 33, somewhere in that range. All right, Ryan. Now this is really pre- preliminary. This is really early on, but are there any names out there that you want to see the Raiders add or the Raiders target in free agency? Yeah. I mean, I kind of alluded to it earlier. I'm not quite sure that Reggie's going to be a, a really big player uh, just because I think money's going to have to be spread elsewhere. But for the sake of the question, for the sake of, uh, you know, a an optimistic a, a start to the to the to the offseason, a couple of names that I'm going to throw out there. Obviously, my boy, AJ, AJ Boye, um, who I've been on all season. Um, obviously Houston would be, uh, all sorts of dumb to even let that kid think about walking, but you know, crazier things have happened. So he's probably at the very top, if not at the top of the list for me, uh, sticking with the cornerback theme, I'm looking at, um, you know, Tr- Trumaine Johnson. Um, you know, he was kind of, the, he was kind of a big name last season. The Rams were wise to, you know, throw the, throw the franchise tag on, on him. So it'd be interesting to see what, what, how his situation plays out. Um, a divisional divisional name, Melvin Melvin Ingram, um, who who's been playing like one of the best outside linebackers in the in the entire league, I think. So he would be he'd be a a very interesting name to watch. I think he's going to get kind of Olivier Vernon type type money. So so definitely a a, a, a big uh, you know big big dollar sign associated with him. But again, I'm not, I'm not really sure. You know, Reggie's going to be targeting those kind of those kind of players. Um, one more name I'm going to throw out there too is 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 a kid that we. We should have made a run out last season. Zach Zach Brown, inside linebacker, playing playing over in Buffalo. Um, I'm not sure that he, you know, gets away uh, after after the season he he put together. But depending what happens with with Perry Riley, um, could be another player that that kind of gets plugged in for a year or two. Nick, who you got for me? Well, um, I, I don't think Reggie's, Reggie is going to come out swinging like he did last offseason just because of, of what's at stake here with the future. I mean, going to have to resign Derek Carr. He's probably going to exercise the fifth-year option on Khalil Mack and, and probably wait until next offseason for his extension. But then we're going to have Gabe Jackson to extend at that time as well. The year after that, going to have to extend Amari Cooper. So, I mean, there's a lot of lot of big dollars that we're going to have to throw out here in the next next couple of years so um and plus even with reggie's kind of swinging for the fences last off season i mean that only had kind of like a 50 percent success rate i mean sean smith didn't pan out reggie nelson not really osamily did and bruce Irvin, i think you could say mostly panned out but he um 
you know, he was he was struggling there for a bit as well. Uh, so for those reasons, I, I don't think Reggie's going to come out here and try to target those, those big name guys because, I mean, for one, the money might not be there. But if we can, you know, cut Sean Smith and, and give A.J. Boye maybe that same exact contract plus maybe a couple mil on top of that, then, yeah, I definitely would be all for that. Um, otherwise, I think we'll be looking at some mid-tier names. I mean, Ryan mentioned Zach Brown. That's going to be a, definitely a, a big one that, that I will be hoping that the Raiders can sign. Uh, maybe Drake Kirkpatrick. He has kind of underwhelmed from his draft slot, but he's still got some physical tools. He could be a guy that, you know, like David Amerson 2015, maybe the Raiders can, can help get on track. And then, um, you know, maybe Jaleel uh, Adaye, a uh, charger safety. Um, you know, kind of bringing over a guy from the division is something that, that the Raiders and, and McKenzie have shown they like to do. So I'm, I'm kind of more focused on, on those mid-tier names rather than the Tremaines and the boys for the most part of the Ingrams. So um, that's where I think we will probably ultimately end up signing a, a small handful of guys. All right. Well, we're going to have plenty of time to dive into draft talk this offseason. Uh, but for now, for the sake of the listeners, Give me a couple of names that you guys are eyeing uh, with the twenty fourth pick, Ryan. You can start. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it to five for the, for the sake of time, I guess. So I said uh, two, fool. <laughs> <Not trying. laughs> I'm gonna give you five um, in no particular order: Jaleel Johnson, Buddha Baker, Tease Tabor, um, Curtis Samuel. And who else we got here, man? I'm going to go with, man, Solomon Thomas. I don't think he gets anywhere close to 24, but that's kind of the, that's kind of the dream pick there. So those are, those are, those are my four plus one kind of unrealistic one, I guess. Right now, right now, the cornerbacks are really standing out to me as far as the guys that I'm seeing kind of available in in that range. Uh, Tease Tabor. Kind of early favorite of mine, as is Sidney Jones, cornerback from Washington. Marshawn Lattimore is a guy that wants to combine hits, is, is really going to open up some eyes. Uh, Quincy Wilson is Tease Tabor's teammate at Florida. So a lot of the corners I really like. And then just to echo Ryan, I mean, he had a couple good ones. Jules Johnson, defensive tackle, if we need to push the pocket. So, you know, any one of those corners, I know I said the pass rush, I think, was the number one priority, but a lot of those pass rushers are going to go probably in the top 10, top 15 by the time the Raiders pick. I don't know if there's going to be one available to, to jump on. Um, so that's why I'm thinking maybe, you know, maybe grab a cornerback here. Now we address the stadium situation plenty throughout the year. Um, so I don't want to be on this subject for too long, but with the Raiders set to file for a relocation and growing buzz that the NFL is going to approve the move, what percentage chance do you give uh, of this actually happening? Well, I think I've I've kind of been the one on record here saying that I still don't think Vegas is that feasible of an option. Um, but you know, just kind of with the latest reports, you know, kind of got to go with the flow and 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 go with the tide there. That uh, I think it's you know obviously a little bit more likely than it was probably even a few months ago. Uh, still think they have plenty of ways to go. Um, so as far as percentage chance, I'll probably say sixty percent they go, forty percent they stay. A uh, little bit still on the pessimistic side, but but you know I think it's leaning in in their favor. Can't deny that. Ryan, you got uh, any take on that? Man, you know me, man. I'm the uh, I'm the 
displaced uh, East Coast fan over here, man. I try to, I try, I try to stay out of the table. Try to, try to stay out of the stadium talk, um, man. I mean, I think we should just table the uh, the stadium talk until when are they voting end of March or something like that. Something maybe like the, that. Right? Maybe the week yeah. before we'll we'll get some updates or some breaking news if uh, you know we see where these votes these votes really lie. I, I know. I think Jason Cole said that. They are, are close to, I guess, enough votes for a majority, which would be 24, which that's a tough number to reach. I mean, getting 24 out of, out of 30, 31, essentially, uh, I mean, not counting Mark. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. It's, it's going to be a, a tough mark for them to hit, but, well, I think we should probably revisit this in you know mid-March or whenever. All right. Well, it sounds like for the time being, uh, we're going to run the podcast bi-weekly. Uh, we have tons of guests lined up throughout the offseason. In future episodes, we'll be going into more detail with both free agency and the draft and the stadium talk. Um, stay tuned for future episodes. That'll do it for this episode of the Just Blog Baby podcast. Follow us along on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud, <laughs> but not Spotify. Not Spotify. Not Spotify. Maybe do not follow us on Spotify. <laughs> I think I want to let the people know that this was a first take outro. You got it right for the first, first time. First take. Usually and it's like want, three or four. Bro, we're going to leave it at that. Signing off for the Just Blog Baby podcast team. Let's go. Peace. Peace. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. <laughs> <laughs>